On tonight's program, ladies and gentlemen, we have something that's going to make you sick. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Four Stars Podcast. I am your host, Hudson Forster, and I am here with an amazing individual, Ethan DeBorgia from Oregon State University. He is a coxswain on the men's rowing team, and he used to cox in high school for resilient rowing over in Virginia. And I have him today to talk all about rowing, his experience in the sport thus far, his goals and aspirations, the rest of his collegiate rowing career, and more. So, Ethan, thank you for showing up today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited, man. Yeah, man, of course. So, you know, today I really want to talk about just the how you started off in this sport, what what you really felt like this sport's going to, you know, change my life. And when you first, you know, heard about rowing and what made that click in your head, you'd be like, you know what, I'm going to try it, take a risk and see what happens. Yeah, so I, like, all my life, I've sort of played, uh, like, all different kinds of sports. I played basketball, baseball, swimming, like, all of the above. I've tried everything, and I've always been sort of the guy, like, um, I wasn't the greatest at any of those sports, just putting it out there, but um, I've always been that guy on the bench who would bring the energy, hype everyone up, try to get them out there on the field as best as we could, or a court for basketball, and it came to high school, and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do anything athletic wise in high school. And my mother was like, Hey, like your high school has a rowing team. Do you want to try that out? Maybe like I can see you being a coxswain. I'm like, yeah, like, sure. So I showed up at one of the like uh, learn to row events that we had at the Occoquan, which is where we rode in Northern Virginia, really flat reservoir, probably the prettiest place to ever row in my opinion, flat glass water. And I went out there, like, I started out freshman year as a rower. Uh, it was, like, still pretty fun. And then, yeah, ever since freshman year of high school, I, I started coxing more and more. And my career sort of took off from there. So, yeah, a lot of it goes to my mom and motivating me to get out there and try the sport. So that's when I fell in love with it. When that first day I learned around, like, this is where I want to be. Dude, that's, that's awesome. That story is pretty unique to you. And I think that a lot of people have had that same thing. I mean, for me, my mom was a pivotal factor into why I started rowing. Um, I was, I was thinking to myself one night, I think I talked about it at the podcast with Connor. Um, I was in my room and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try out this sport. It my all my buddies are saying, you know, to come out to it, it, it might be great to just try something new. You just finished off golf season. You know, you're, you're, you're still almost on a smaller side, maybe be used in a sport that, could actually use you for your size and shape and for your talents as an individual and who you are. Um, and I tried it out and my mom was like, I think, you know, rowing is so prestigious. It's such a fantastic sport. Um, you know, and she was from, you know, West coast and, you know, LA. So she wasn't as like, you know, um, East, East coast with the, with the rowing and stuff like that. So for her, she was looking at, at a more like, like an Olympic side, you know what I mean? So yeah, that was, that was her thing. So for the, her, it was all like, oh, yeah, Olympic coxing. It's like, you know, all this, you know, the coxswain's like the little guy that's in the front. And I'm like, okay. So I, I thought it was cool. You know, I could take some charge and, and to be a good individual and to help others. And to, so, you know, look where I got both of us. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that 
yeah, it's pretty, pretty similar <laughs> to me. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, man, of course. I, I just feel like it's good to have like a good connection and to have find some, you know, equilibrium between those two. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I would really like to focus on what made your decision so impactful and why Oregon State, like, like what Oregon State was like, all right, mom, let's go. I'm, I'm going to press this button. I'm going to this school. No, let's go. What was that for you? Yeah, so the recruiting process for me was, it was pretty all over the place. Um, I made like a recruiting profile. I got, a, like I sent out a ton of emails to a bunch of coaches around the U.S. and just trying to get my name out there. And I remember the assistant coach at the time at Oregon State uh, emailed me and he's like, hey, we'd love to have you come out for an official and it was in the summer going to my senior year when I got offered the official. I'm like, sure, I'll take it. Went in the fall of my senior year, right before COVID hit. And I went and I came on my visit. Really amazing visit. Met amazing people. The coaching staff would, like made it feel so easy to connect with all the guys. The The practices that I went to were really cool. All the coxswains that I met uh, or like everything I'm looking for, they were really competitive, really talented on the water and off the water. Um, the school was just a division one atmosphere that I was looking for. It was big, a lot of athletic programs. We went to the football game, so that that was helpful. They were playing Stanford, so it was a pretty exciting game to watch. It just made it feel like home, and I remember asking my dad, because I, I had no idea really what Oregon State was at the time. All I knew is that they were the Beavers. I would see them on ESPN at the bottom of the scoreboard. I remember playing NCAA football and seeing them in the Pac-12. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know anything about it. So I would ask my dad, like, what is Oregon State? Do you know anything about it? And he was like, yeah, man, like Gary Payton went there, Chad Ochocinco, like a couple names that I knew, like they're Hall of Famers, obviously. And I was like, okay, cool. So I went and right after my visit on the plane ride back, it was pretty comforting to hear my parents say, yeah, dude, I think you have to go here. And I'm like, I, I think I, I'll, I'll agree with you. Like it, it definitely feels like home. So yeah, that, that's why I picked it. Wow. I mean, I think, you know, I think a, a big part of that too is your, your parents having an extreme amount of faith in you and grace and the fact that they knew that their son, Ethan DeBorgia was going to go there and make, make a statement and change people's lives like you've done and you've made huge strides yeah so coming into my freshman year it was still in the heart of covid so in the fall we were only allowed to wear like singles doubles really small boats so i couldn't really get to cox and show show the, like the coaches or guys like how i cox in the water yet all they saw was how i cox guys on the urge so uh, a lot of the fall and winter winter training was me sitting in the launch, taking really good video of people, taking notes and just letting them know um, after after their single or double row or pair row, like, hey, this is what the coaches were saying. This is what I saw. Maybe this is what you can do better. I would take footage. So I would do everything that I could in the fall and winter to sort of show them that I was here. I was here to compete. I was here to be one of, one of the top costumes here, no matter no matter how many of us there were. And once the winter time rolled around, there was this rule that we could only row with the people we live with. And at the time, all the freshmen were in the dorms. And so we had a freshman eight that we rowed every day. And the freshman boat that we had, and that like, uh, I think it was coming out of January, right after winter break, we were allowed to row eight. We got to go ahead. So they put together a freshman eight, really talented group, really fast group. The rowing was not perfect, but I, the guys in there were absolute dogs and wanted to 
pull as hard as they wanted to. So we we were we were one of the top votes when the freshmen were out there. There were like four aides. There was the freshmen, like a couple of houses together, and we we were hanging right up there with them. And the coaches saw that like, hey, like that boat's doing pretty well. And then we got to go ahead when we started getting like regular COVID tests that we can mix up the lineups. So they started mixing in a couple of seniors and making the freshman boat, the boat, like the boat to be in. And they started uh, making some switches. Um, I started getting swapped around. They wanted to see how each coxswain handled every boat. So I was getting switched into like the three V JV varsity mix, uh, sometimes like freshman. So it was all over the place. Gabe, Gabe, Send out the itinerary for the first race of the year against UW. I was on that list. Every practice is a seat race for me. Um, I know every every coxswain is coming after each other. I'm coming after every coxswain. So it's always really competitive. And I'm really thankful for it because if you sit, if you like as Connor said in your last podcast, if you're on your heels and you're just sitting there and not trying to improve, you're gonna get bumped down. So I, I try to stay on my game every day. Has anyone ever told you that you're a very well-spoken individual? No, my parents always tell me that like I can translate what's going in my into my brain into better words, but I I appreciate that. No, I'm being I'm being like I'm being very serious. Like you no. are a very 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 well-spoken individual. Like I'm being really serious. Yeah, bro. I'm I mean, you don't really see a lot of people our age being able to talk super super like very uh mature and just having their stuff together. I mean, you really know what you're talking about and you could put your words together very well. And, I'm, and that definitely translate to the boat. You know what I mean? You can think, like you were saying, you think about things very well and then you exude them from your words and you get them out very cleanly and, and, and you know, succinct. So well done. Thank you. Um, yeah, bro. I really admire that. Um, I'm personally struggling with like calming my brain down to be able to get my words out very you know, smoothly without stuttering. And it's a journey. I'm not going to lie. It's a journey. And I'm getting better at it, I think. But it takes time. You know, I got to be, I got to understand that, you know, trusting the process. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's going to get there. It's good. It's going to be good. So you focused and you said that every day is a seat race for you. Um, When you're, you know, bow to bow with another eight and you're, you're, you're looking around and you see your boat, what are some of the changes and things that you do? What do you do to help your boat get ahead? Um, because it takes a lot of time as the ninth seat to focus on trying to find the medium between your rower's limits and then your limits, right? So you have to find a way to get them up and out um, and to, you know, fixing up their technique or whatever the case may be to get ahead. So what are some of like, the motivational calls that you like to focus on or what are some of the critiques of your boat specifically that you like to hone in on to perfect, to get ahead? And to win yeah really good question and i'm trying to think about how to answer that right now um well normally typically at practice uh at oregon state it's always on the willamette so there's a ton of current so we're we're used to being even with the other boats even if you're in the fastest boat that day you'll be on the outside lane so you'll you'll be getting most current so you'll be going the slowest compared to the other boats on the inside lane so it'll be pretty, pretty even a lot of the time during practice. And when it comes to that, um, it, all, it all comes from sort of knowing your rowers in that boat. You got to know what makes them want to go. Everyone, like, I know a lot of the guys that I work with have like a special call they want me to make and I, I'll, I'll say it to them and it'll make them go. 
for me, I think all it takes is a pair or one guy to sort of be that spark plug. And if I get them going, I know they can hand it off to the other six or seven guys down the line. And I, I always tell them, like, all it takes is one stroke. All it takes is one guy to get this boat going. And then everyone is going to feel that momentum. Uh, from a coxing point of view, I like to give them a goal, like, hey, like, we're at the split right now. I think if we take it down two splits, we'll be right with them and we will be pushing our bow ahead of them. Uh, I think that's really important. Just letting them know where they are, setting a goal, uh, knowing your rowers to to know, like, this is this is what you need to call to make them go. This is what is going to make me best in the situation. So, yeah, that a lot of the time, that's what I do um, when we're in a tight battle with another boat. It it's always fun to be in a tight battle with the other boat. Like it's never fun to be losing by a lot or, or winning by a lot. We all love the competitiveness. I think that's one of the really strong parts about working state. Everyone is really competitive on the water. Um, and then when we get back get back on land, everyone congratulates each other. It's like, hey, that was a really good rug, really good piece there. So I think that's one of the really great parts about our team. It's it's really competitive all the time and finding that way to push your bow ahead is really critical when it comes to the ninth seed, as you were saying. So just knowing your rower, setting a goal, knowing the split and just taking it from there is what I would say is what I do. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Again, another source of how this man right here is a well-spoken guy. You know, you can talk to Ethan, but like, is he in college or is he a 40-year-old man? You know what I'm saying? So this guy, this guy has got his stuff together. So you were talking about team culture at Oregon State. Now, this I want to get into that because that's a big part of, I think, the team. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about is patience. A lot of coxswains rush a lot, and I do the same, with they rush to – getting they're very impulsive and they get things out of their head they see something they do something they see a rower's catch super you know not not great and then they try to perfect that and then they go to trying to get the you know the balance together so in terms of you you know how do you develop a patience level with your teammates so what do you do to calm yourself before your race to calm yourself before and to find okay i can't fix everything at this time is it a one thing wonder or what is it for you for me and patience, uh, what I like to do before every race or practice is sort of, I sort of just like to step aside and try to be by myself for a little bit and just like mentally prepare for what's about to go down. Because I know when I hop in that seat, it's going to be straight to business. You got to, you got to make sure you're making all the right uh, calls and directions as the coach is talking to us uh, from the launch. So I'm, I, I like to stand by myself a lot before the race or, or practice even and just sort of like just mentally prepare for what's going to happen that day. Cause I feel like if I'm, I'm out there like talking a bunch and talking to people, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit un, unfocused. I'm not going to be as locked in before, before we get hands on. So I really like to take some time to be alone, be by myself, really dial in on what's about to go down for this practice. If I'm not doing that, I normally like to talk to the guys before the row, like, Hey, like, 
um, I noticed in the footage uh, last night, like you were doing this, like maybe on this practice, you can you can focus on doing this. And for me, uh, I really like to see the end goal for everyone, like the light at the end of the tunnel, no matter what boat they are, no matter what their erg is, no matter how they row, how many years they've been here. I always like to see the light in the end goal for them. And I feel like as a coxswain, it's really satisfying to see them reach that light at the end of the tunnel. I've seen it happen before. I've seen it in high school, even juniors rowing. It it does happen. And when you see them like achieve that and then they come up to you and they're like, hey, like I never thought I'd do that. And it's like, well, actually I did. And I think that that patience um, as a coxswain is really important, seeing that end goal for everyone. Uh, everyone can get there. It just it just takes like work, dedication, uh, great grind, all the above to get there. Um, so yeah, that that's what I do for patients. I hope that answered the question. Did you hit every one of those points that I think people are looking for? Um, and I think it's awesome because what you said is patients can take you anywhere from being a little kid to being an elder person. You know what I mean? It's such a different thing, and everyone has their own self control and ways that they can find harmony and peace within. Um, and, I, and I think it's really important too because coxswains are such a it's such a mental game. It's like golf, you know, it's like a lot of coxswains also like golf because it's just, it's like the same kind of mental atmosphere, you know, that you get and that, that energy and vibe. Um, so, you know, the team culture and, and you know, well said, well said, uh, the team culture at Oregon State, uh, when you first hopped in, you said that it was super competitive, you know, you really got that Pac-12, you know, environment of uh, athletic school, Corvallis felt like home. But when you hopped in there as a, as a newbie, how do the coaches push the team culture at, on your team? Are they imperative with motivating the guys to and creating this environment, or is it a lot of the athletes? Because a lot of coaches deal with team culture issues, and that can really debilitate teams and jeopardize their time on the water, out of water, and it, and it's tough. So being on a on a, on a D one team for you, at, you know, as a coxswain and your senior coaches, what do you notice and how do you see the, the guys and even the girls on your team collaborate with one another? Yeah, so I think it's a really good mixture of both uh, for the team culture. I think it comes a lot from the coaches. A lot of it comes from us. Um, for the coaches' uh, point of view, I think they do a really good job with keeping us motivated and keeping us locked in. Um, Gabe, Stefan, and Will, who's our assistant, uh, like third assistant coach, he cut, he done a really nice job coming in uh, first year here um, out of Marietta. Really, really good uh, third coach for us. But anyway, all three of them will they like we have weights on uh, Tuesday, Thursday or Monday, Wednesday, really early in the morning at like 630. They will do the weights with us. Like Will and Gabe will lift with the with the rowers and Stefan will lift with us because he was once a coxswain. So he's still on the on the coxswain gains train. So all of us will be will be lifting together. And I think that's really important to have the coaches doing it with you guys as you're waking up at the crack of dawn, lifting weights early in the morning. I don't see a lot of coaches lifting with their teams. So I think it's really important and it's really motivational for me to see our own coaches doing the work with us and doing the lifting. Um, Coach Ivano, Coach Stepin is he he likes to get after it uh, in the weight room, especially with me. We always compete um, on the circuit at the end, see see who can do the most reps. So that that's really motivating for me. So they always keep us locked in. And outside of the weight room, on the erg and um, on the water, they'll they'll always be like tell, like telling us we can go harder, telling us we can do this. And I think that's really important. And 
we always have this um, this goals meeting right before winter break and they set goals for the team. And I think that's really important, keeping everyone accountable. Like as coaches looking in, like this is what they're noticing. This is what they're seeing. And they, they know what we're capable of. For the team's uh, aspect, for culture, I think everyone is, everyone wants to be here. Everyone's really competitive. Everyone wants to get better. It's not like anyone is just sitting here to participate. Like that, that's not who we are at Oregon State Rowing. Um, people will come in an hour before practice to get footage review, know what they're doing wrong so they can improve on the water uh, for that day. Um, even in the erg room, everyone, everyone will be hyping each other up. Sometimes when we do two Ks, we'll have two flights. So the first group will go, the second group will watch and cox them, the second group will go. And then the first group who just two k will actually like, uh, like just recover for a little bit and then come back and cox them after doing a full out 2K. And I, I know how hard that can be. So the team culture is definitely there. Everyone's competitive. Everyone's pushing each other to get better. Even when the guys see race, I see them tell each other, hey, like really nice job out there. And I, I know that's pretty hard to do because like that guy is trying to take your spot and you guys are congratulating each other right after. Um, a really big part of the culture we have here at Oregon State is the class day lineups. So you will row with your class. Um, so the freshmen will be the freshmen, the sophomores will be the sophomore juniors together and then seniors. And like not to flex, but the sophomores have won everyone this year. Like we had one in the fall term and one in the spring. The fall was like uh, five by uh, or three by two milers. And then in the spring, it was just one by 2K. And the sophomores won both. The class of 24, like threw down a really good 2K, really good uh, two milers. So that was good. But it's really competitive whenever it comes to class day and everyone's in their boats with their group because you want to be the fastest class. You want to be known as, oh, this is, this is the group that is <laughs> sort of leading the charge. So everyone's really competitive. Everyone's there for each other, even off the water and outside of practice. It, it's a really good culture and everyone hangs out um, on the weekends and we'll do other stuff outside of practice like football and frisbee. So, yeah, I think that sums it up for the culture here. That is awesome, bro. Oh my gosh. Team culture and having a bond with both of your rowers is it's one of a kind, man. It's one of a kind. You can't, you can't describe it. You can't teach it. It's just something inside that's just like connects you guys and you want everyone to succeed around you. And even being competitive too, you can have that chip on your shoulder and becoming that top dog, but wanting everyone around you to do their best. And especially in rowing, it's like the ultimate team sport. So having that culture set not by the coaches all all the time but even just the guys on the water just like hey man like good job like good race or whatever like you don't see that a lot i really like to you know call attention to that because it's it's hard um so we've talked about culture we've talked about um you know having patience within with your teammates and just in life especially it's it's a very valuable tool um what are your goals right now? You talked a little about how the sophomore class is, you know, reigning champs, but I want to know about, you know, your eight right now um, and where you see the rest of the field on your team. Uh, you know, what is your, what are your coaches pushing right now? You got a race coming up this weekend. Good luck, bro. I'm wishing you all the best. Um, you're racing some solid teams, but you're also a solid team. Do you know what I mean? So right. what do you, of course, what do you, you know, how are you pushing one another and where do you see OSU, you know, the Beavers turning into in the next couple of years? Where do you want it to go? The first, like, goal meeting we had freshman year, a, um, a lot of the freshmen who are now sophomores, class of 24, we all talked about, like, 
what we wanted to do. And I think a lot of the, the to like summarize what a lot of us said was, we want to do something special here at Oregon State. We don't want to just be another like solid team that goes to IRAs every year, and goes to the C or D final and competes. I think I think we're a little bit done doing that. Um, a lot of what we want to do is do something special. We want to try to make top 10 in the next two years before we graduate. And I think we'd like to to be like the uh, like a lot of the top teams that are on, that are on our schedule, and to try to try to make a a Henley trip by by senior year. Try to make Henley. Try to make top ten. Take an eight out there. Compete against top teams from out of the United States and from the United States would be really cool to see, and just do something that the program has never done before. And I think the that this year's freshman class is stepping up to the occasion. Two of them were in the varsity last week against uh, in the Husky Open against UW. Um, one of them's a walk on. One of them was recruited. They're doing both of them are really stepping up to the plate. Really disciplined, mature rowers. So the future is definitely bright. Uh, again, the junior class in front of us—they're really good at pushing us to, to stay motivated. They love to be competitive on the water and on the erg. So I think we have a really good group coming up, and I'm excited for the for the next class of 26 to to step up. And I think I think we'll have a really good group to sort of accomplish our goal of doing something special in a couple of years. Or even, or even next year, or even this year, you never know. But we definitely want to do something special here, make top 10, uh, do a Henley trip by senior year. So I think that would be really good for us. And that's where our goals are at. That is one solid list. Good list. Yeah, we, we have goals. We, we, we got to get there. We got to get there because we, we, can't, we can't just sit, sit back and be, be a team that competes every year. We got, we got to start stepping it up a little bit. I'm so excited for you, bro. Jeez, this is awesome. Um, you know, I'm I'm only saying this because I feel like it's it's worthy. Um, Alex Chick, who's on my third podcast episode, rode with you, and his podcast that we had together was just one of a kind. It was just his energy is just such it's so vibrant. You know, you can feel it even over the telephone. You can feel it over the Zoom. I'm, when you're not even with them, you can just feel this guy's willingness to, to succeed and pure passion. Um, when you were with him as a, as a coxswain, you know, how did he, you know, what was, what was his presence like on the team? He was there for a year, but what was it like? I want to know, you know, from a coxswain perspective and just a, a friend, you know? So yeah, Alex, Alex was definitely, definitely a character. Uh, one of those guys, um, he, yeah, he left after his freshman year because he had better opportunities for where he was going. Unfortunately, I didn't get to uh, cox him as much on the water, but I know on like whenever I had the chance to cox him on the erg, he always had, he was very reactive to whatever you said to him on the erg. Like I remember I would say something to him, he would go like two splits faster. I remember um, like another row would come up to him like that day, say something to him, he'd go two splits faster. It was really good to see him react on the erg. Uh, unfortunately, like a lot of like um, personal and like injuries, like left left him out, so he didn't get to compete that much that year. But I remember our first ever regatta, our freshman year, against UW at Dexter. Um, I was in the varsity and a three B because we didn't have we didn't have enough coxswains, so it was, I was in the varsity and then in the three B. And Alex Chick was rowing in the three B that day, so I got to cox him in the three B A for that race, and it it was. Not a bad race. The three view was very, very satisfied with it. They're like, yeah, that was one of the better pieces we did. 
Um, I got to say, the 3B at Oregon State is definitely known for a hot start. They love to do the hot start, and it was a really good feeling to be in that boat. And first 500 meters, it was right out of the gate, really hot. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was a good experience. I'm glad I got to Cox them at least for one race. Really, was really responsive kid on the erg and on the water. Whenever whatever you told him to do, he he would do it. I'm I'm happy that he had better opportunities at like Oxford Brooks now and. I just wish uh, the best for him. Um, but yeah, relationship outside of Rowan, um, he always liked to talk to me. I would respond respectfully, like, hey, what's up? Like, trying try to like have that relationship off, outside of the team. But yeah, again, I wish him the best of luck. Um, but yeah, I guess that's all I have to say. I'm sure he's going to love hearing that. Alex is such a great guy. Um, and I think he knows and he loves his sport more than anyone that I've personally seen. Um, so it's it's awesome to just kind of see his his ways of uh, of love for the sport translate into other people um, and, you know, what what that is like for you. Um, Alex is one of the big reasons as to why I find a lot of inspiration and, and, and I felt like I could really do something well in the sport. Um, Alex was a great person for me to talk to. Um, you know, I want to talk about your high school years as well right now if we talk about that, too. Um, but we both talked about, you know, a little bit. A little bit prior to this podcast, we had our own personal conversation. Um, and during that conversation, we talked about just how, you know, resilient rowing in Virginia. Um, I, I, I want to know about exactly the foundations of that team um, and the culture of that team and how it shaped you as a young coxswain. Yeah, so from where I'm from, from Virginia, Northern Virginia, there's scholastic rowing and then there's club rowing. So Scholastic rowing was with your high school team and you could only compete in the spring season. And we only did 1500s. I'm not gonna lie, the 1500s were fun. It was a really short race. It was like three to four minutes of just pure speed. And then you were done, you were done for the day. And I'm like, all right, that's pretty sweet. Um, but then I think um, after my sophomore year, one of the coaches from Resilient Rowing came up to me. He's like, cause Resilient Rowing is uh, out of the Occoquan, which is the same as my high school. I went to James Madison High School and they were out of the Occoquan that's where our boathouse was. So the resilient rowing assistant coach came up to me and was like, hey, are you interested in coxing over the summer? I'm like, uh, no, I didn't really have plans over the summer. And he's like, I think you should try out resilient rowing. And I'm like, well, sure, I'll try it out. And I think sophomore year it sort of hit me like, maybe I do want to do this in college. Like, I love this sport. I don't think I want to get away from it. So tried it out, went to resilient rowing. When I came to resilient, there were a lot of people from a lot of high schools that um, really talented like guys going to Columbia going to Yale going to Wisco going to Temple a lot of really high like highly recruited guys that were out of resilient and it was it was good to see and I remember they were the class above us and just rowing with them and coxing those guys and girls were really it was really fun um and the, it was just a really fast like group and yeah, right, right, Brazilian rowing is not not that big. Um, but yeah, just joining Resi, I think, did definitely up my level a little bit. Uh, we went to Head of the Charles. Uh, I didn't know what Head of the Charles was like my sophomore year. So going to that race in that fall was pretty big. Um, I remember I got there. It amazed me. So we went to Head of the Charles. Um, and then we went to Canadian Henley. Those, and then Club Nats during the summer. So those were like the three big name races that I went to for club rowing because in scholastic rowing the biggest event we got was probably stokesbury cup that was 
it's a big one. A lot of high schools from the East Coast will attend that one. So that was good. But yeah, club rowing, um, definitely like, I think I grew more to coxing from club rowing and, and junior rowing high school. It was 2K instead of 1500. So that was an adjustment. And then the, the boat speed was faster. The boat speed was there. Again, a lot of talented guys uh, who are highly recruited now and are rowing D1 now at top top power schools. So, yeah, uh, resilient rowing is pretty good. I hope that answered the question. <laughs> it answered all the questions, man. I think club rowing really sets the foundations in high, in high school about expectations. You know, some programs do, some coaches, about the expectations that you're going to be getting into in college. Um, a lot of people go to college and then they get into the sport and they're like, hmm, this is not what I thought I was going to be. This is a lot more work. This is a lot more dedication to put into it. And you're like, oh, shoot, um, maybe this isn't for me. Or maybe I can do this, but it's going to be a lot of things I have to, you know, prioritize before I do other things in life. Um, dedication is a lot of a coxswain. If you're not dedicated, if you don't have passion, it's going to be tough to be motivated, you know, have intrinsic motivation. Um what is dedication to you? Um, dedication to me is, first of all, you got to show up. That, that's already a given. You got to show up for your teammates. You got to show up to practice. You got to show up on race day, like 100%, always giving your all. And another part of dedication for me is, as I said, like sort of giving your 100% every day, no matter the conditions, no matter the variables, doing your best and rising above the occasion is what dedication to me is. Uh, like first part of it is showing up but showing up is not going to be enough to be a championship caliber team you're obviously going to have to put in your 100 put in all the grit all the grind sort of what we talked about earlier is what dedication for me is um no matter what the weather is because i know rowing's an outdoor sport so you can get hit with all sort of weather it can be 104 degrees out it can be like 20 degrees snowing and windy you you got to rise above the occasion to be a championship caliber team and I think showing up is the first part and then putting in the effort and and like drive in that determination you have with the second part but what determination to me at least from my point of view is I feel like we've touched a lot of the things that we wanted to talk about being a coxswain is is very underrated and it's looked upon sometimes as oh you just scream you just yell and it's tough to kind of hear that because it's like yeah we do that but we do a lot of other things too and respect is tough because you have to earn it no one just gets respect because they're just sitting there you get respect from what you do and you earn it um that's that's my opinion i think um but a lot of what you're saying about that like respect and like having that sort of consistency i think is if Everyone, everyone gets critiqued, like the rowers, the coaches, the coxswains. Everyone gets critiqued every day because there's always something you can do to be better. No one is perfect. So I think it's really important as coxswains to sort of learn and absorb the criticism you're taking. And I think that that's a really important part because if someone gives you advice or criticism and you're not really taking it and you're sort of neglecting it, then we're going to have some issues. Some guys are not, are not going to like... Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say respect. I don't know what the word for it is, but they're not going react to react to you as good because you're not making the changes to make yourself better. Everyone's here to help each other. Everyone's here to make the boat go faster. And if you're sort of denying that what you're doing is perfect, it's not going to go well. So I think for me, from freshman year, is a lot of learning and sort of taking the criticism that everybody was telling me and like changing my coaching as 
as we went throughout the year was really important to me. And yeah, I think that was a really, like, really critical part of sort of having that respect throughout the entire year and being consistent. Because everyone, everyone respects each other on this team. No one disrespects each other or anything. Um, I think it's just making the changes that people want you to make or the coaches that want you to make and just adapting to the situation you're in. It's probably the, the correct way to answer that from, from what I've experienced here. I agree. Mary Whipple has such an impact on the sport. She talked about how no coxswain and nobody in life is perfect. And even though she's won all these medals at the most prestige regattas around the world, she even says she's not perfect. She's not the best. She has so much to learn. And I feel like everyone needs and has a lot to learn. And you can't just be content with your pro with, with, with how you're doing right now. You always got to be hungry. It doesn't, it, it, even if you're not like a, putting in physical exertion into the sport and trying to get even faster, from a mental aspect too, it's like you got to lock in and you got to understand that like, again, we've talked about it in the past, you have to have patience and you have to know that you have to trust the process that you're going into. But no one in life is going to be the best, best, best coxswain, the best, best person. It's tough. And there's traits that you can do to resemble one. The nicest person in the world can be the angriest person in the world. They have so much things that they've had to overcome, but no one sees it. They just see how they are, you know, around people. Being in the sport of rowing, this is why the sport is the most, in my opinion, the best sport in the world. Because the lessons and morals that you learn from rowing translate to your life outside of rowing. And it's the one that distributes these morals and lessons before you even start rowing, before you even start coxing. That's like, okay, that's why I want this person on my team. Tell someone around you like, hey, man, like, I appreciate you. Thank you for showing up today, putting in that work and just being someone I can talk to. But not only that, just by having my back. So Ethan. I have your back, my guy. You are you are someone that I, I can talk to that I feel like understands what it's like to be a coxswain and I understand what it's like to just be a just be a guy and just to have my back and just to support me and, I, and to support everybody. You're a really humbling man. And um, I think that you're going to do great things in this world and great things to Oregon State for the rest of the time that you're there. Again, this is episode six of Four Stars Podcast. I'm your host, Hudson Forster. I am with the Varsity 8 Cox and Oregon State University on the men's rowing team, Ethan DeBorgia, and that will be all for today. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for having me.